lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. And here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 103 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, June the 26th, 2021, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I do want to thank last Saturday's guest, Amit Acharya, who joined me to discuss the virtual expo, the deals we did, the people we saw. It was awesome. We also got into some national talk, which is always exciting. I want to thank everyone who watched last night's PWCC June hockey auction ending watch party. Had a blast with that as always. Thanks everybody for joining me for that last night. Next Saturday on the on After Hours, we have Ryan Nolan from Breakout Cards joining. He is the card show correspondent. He'll be back for the second time. Still finalizing the guest for the main or the early episode. Tonight on After Hours, after this show, will be none other than Ben Carlos. Be sure to check out Ben Carlos. We're going to mention him in a few minutes anyway. And a quick note, scheduling change. Josh Luber, who was originally intended to be uh, joining us tonight, will be joining on July the 10th. And DJ Kazmierzik from Panini is postponed until the end of the summer at this time while he deals with a busy schedule. All right, I want to thank everybody who is subscribed for your viewership and your support. Just past 3,150 subscribers. Pretty awesome. Thanks to each and every one of you. You know I really do appreciate that. And I also want to thank the podcast listeners. You guys are out there strong. I really appreciate you all, as always. Want to mention to you all, Give a shout, I want to shout out the Big Three Hockey on Instagram. Give them a follow. Great supporters of the show. Great people all around. Also want to shout out the Hobby Hotline crew. Be sure to subscribe to Hobby Hotline on YouTube. We as a crew will be kicking off an event on July the 10th, which we will get into shortly with tonight's guest. Also want to shout out Dr. James Beckett, Carvin Chung, and Chris McGill of Card Ladder for joining me on the Sports Cards Live on Location episode we did at the Virtual Expo last week. We discussed the sustainability of the hobby, and I want to thank Steve Menzi for providing that platform to us. Also want to shout out everyone who joined me at the booth last week. That was awesome. All the deals that we did. I did 22 deals over the two days. And I got to say, it was just it was just an awesome, awesome uh, event overall. It was great to see and hang out with so many uh, friends and, and new friends and people in the hobby collectors alike. Had a great time. I want to shout out again, Ben Carlos. Ben uh, premiered earlier today on his channel, um, a Friends with Ben episode where he hosted myself. It was it was a. Uh, He's great at what he's doing, guys. If you're not yet subscribed to Ben Carlos, what are you waiting for? Please go ahead and do that. And finally, a show favorite, Charles Hind. Happy birthday to you, buddy. It is your birthday, so I want to make sure we get you a happy birthday today. All right, we are going to now get to tonight's guest. He got a start in the hobby in 1981, opening packs of Fleer, Donruss, and Topps baseball from the local Five and Dime with his twin brother. Since then, he's never taken a break from the hobby and only sells cards if he acquires a duplicate by mistake. A true collector, he started his YouTube channel in 2013, innovatively named Baseball Collector, and now features over a thousand videos in his library. He's a founding member of Bench Clear Media. His favorite teams are the Dallas Mavericks, Stars, Cowboys, 
and Rangers. His favorite athletes are Lou Gehrig, Josh Hamilton, Juan Gonzalez, and Ivan Ivan Rodriguez, originally from and still hailing in Fort Worth, Texas. Let's bring him out. Mike Moynihan, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How you doing? <laughs> Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Frank the I love it. What's How are you up, doing today, man? You know, I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing good. It was, it was a busy day. I took my two-year-old to soccer. He he has no business being in soccer lessons right now. He just runs around holding the ball. Doesn't realize you're supposed to kick it. But we had a nice day, nice weather. Um, it's all good, man. It's all good. We got a great, uh, great chat already, rocking and rolling. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're going to get into some discussion, but, you know, Sports Cards Live, you know, one of the taglines I have for the show, it's it's we, we bring on industry insiders, passionate collectors, and content creators. And tonight's guest, Mike, right there, he fills two of those buckets. Nah, other way. Yeah, yeah. He fills two of those buckets. We got a passionate collector on our hands tonight, and we have an OG content creator. So, Really, I think we're going to learn a lot, and we're going to learn a lot about the evolution of, of hobby content, specifically on YouTube, where Mike is really one of the pioneers. So um, before we welcome the chat, and uh, again, you guys are going strong. Thank you so much. Mike, let's let's just get a, a bit about your hobby history. Really, like, I always like to hear your first experience with sports cards. What's, what are some of your earliest memories? Yeah, man, just opening packs as a kid, getting packs from, you know, the local, like you said in the intro, five and dime store and Seven Eleven or the grocery store, you name it. Uh, I remember going to Sam's and back when I was a kid and literally there were pallets of boxes of tops and score in the late eighties and buying all of that stuff and just loved doing it. Just enjoyed getting cards. And I'm a collector by genetics so i inherited inherited it from my dad uh, i think it is a gene that runs if you if you're a collector out there and you collect something because i don't just collect sports cards you know it's uh i collect firearms and i guess to defend my sports card collection no um but i play golf you know hobbies are just you know you're kind of a hobbyist you're kind of a collector that's a mindset that people have and I, and I do think it's passed down from generation to generation. My son collects Pokemon. You know, I don't, I mean, I've kind of gotten into it with him a little bit. In fact, tomorrow we're going to a thing called Texas Collectors Convention over in Dallas. And uh, it's got baseball, uh, sports cards and Pokemon and comic books. And I collect comic books too. So it's just, it never ends. You know, there's always something to collect. So no doubt. You know, I have, I have in my notes here that, you know, um, you're a hobby lifer. I, 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 you, I'm a, I'm a lifer. You're a lifer. Can you imagine your life or do you ever imagine your life without the sports card hobby? And I know you're a sports fan too, but take sports cards out of your life. How, how different, what, what would it, what, uh, I can't, I don't want to imagine it for myself. So I'm going to put it on to you. How, how right. would your life be different without it? Oh, wow. Um, well, of course it would be different. I mean, I would give up all this stuff right now if I had, if I needed to for my family or whatever, it, it's not that important. And yet I put 40 years of my life into it. I, I really feel dedicated to it. I love it. It's fun to get new things and enjoy the things you have. And God, what would my life be like without it? I mean, 
the funny thing is I've, I've thought about this a little bit in the context of, do I have a number? And I think every collector probably has a number. Like I have a number that if somebody walked in and brought a certain number of cash into my house and said, I'll take everything. I'd go, you got it, take it, have fun. And so that's where I get to the point where I do have a number. Like I do have a, a get out of, you know, that I, where I would get out of all of it and sell every bit of it. And I don't think it would be one of those things where like, if I got out, I wouldn't get back in. I can really tell you that I'd redirect those funds to other things, but I can't imagine getting out. So <laughs> nobody's going to bring me that number. So I'm not really worried about it. It's not going to happen anytime soon, but. So I have to ask then is how, what is the, what multiple is that number of what you, I mean, I know, I know guys like us that have large personal collections in terms of the quantity of cards. It's hard to understand. It's hard to really get our head around our heads around what the fair market value might be. So without thinking that, what multiple of that fair market value would the number have to be to get you out? Uh, about one and a half times, probably. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, yeah. What's up, Joe? Silver Jackify is here. Ron Fig, all my buddies are here. Right on, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna say hello to everybody, uh, as, as I always like to do. Yeah, um, I know, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, you're, Hey man, you've been around a long time on YouTube. You've got lots, lots of friends in the community. So I'm glad, I'm glad they are. They're all here guys. Welcome. If you, if you're new to sports cards live, I want to thank Mike, first of all, for, for bringing your friends to the show tonight, Mike, I would like to thank my guests who come on because everybody exposes, you know, when you guest on anyone else's channel, you're bringing your friends, your community over there, most likely at least some of them. And it, it exposes, it grows all of our, our channels, I believe. And it, it helps expose more people to more content. So, which says something that I know you're very passionate about and you're actually not just passionate about it, but you're, you're doing things about that. We're going to get to that a little bit, a little bit later as well. So um, I do want to, before we do welcome the chat, I do want to talk a bit more about you being a collector and the fact that you never took a break. Very few people don't take a break in high school or college or that sort of thing. So speak a bit to what was it like being a baseball card collector during high school? And how did you balance that with everything else that we do uh, that, that, you know, young men like to do in high school? Yeah. So I, like you said, I never stopped, but I, it wasn't like I advertised it. it. I wasn't, you know, trading cards at in high school with other buddies. I had a couple of buddies in high school that, uh, collected cards too. In fact, we all went to the national together in 1990. Let's see, I was 17. So I was like a junior in high school at that point. And so, I mean, we did that a few of us, very few of us, but it wasn't like I advertised it all over the place. I played football in high school, basketball. I was a baseball player. I went and played, uh, at the air force Academy after high school, I was a catcher. And so, you know, I was playing sports and chasing girls and driving cars like everybody else does, you know, and cards were more of, I would call it an ancillary hobby. I would call it just, it was just always there percolating under the surface. It didn't become the obsession slash, you know, not so that it is now for decades, really, probably it, it was more of really a hobby at that point. I just kind of picked up stuff. And when I went, even when I was in Colorado at the Air Force Academy, I would go to, there were local card shops there in Colorado Springs. And I'd go to those usually a couple times a month. 
and picked stuff up, but I, I had, it was broke, you know, like everybody else at that age. And so buying big cards and buying stuff was not really true. I was a player collector back then. And so I was, a, my first player collection was Daryl Strawberry. And I just loved, I thought he was just a great player and he was a great player, especially early in his career. And so I wasn't necessarily a Mets fan. I was just a Daryl Strawberry fan and trying to buy all the Daryl Strawberry cards. And it was such a different hobby then because unless you bought it at a show, there was no eBay. Unless you found it at a local card shop or whatever, you weren't going to find that card, you know, and now you can find just about anything. The eBay is a, you know, card museum, essentially. You can find pretty much anything. If you can't find it there, it doesn't exist, right? Yeah, that's what we like to say about the National. Now we can say that about eBay. So it went from, you know, it went from being a hobby to, to truly a lifestyle for you as it as it continues today, it sounds like. Yeah, and that's probably been true for the last 15 plus years or so. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're going to we're going to get into talking about your history on YouTube and some some uh, topics within that. But first, let's say hello to who we have with us. We got Ben Carlos. Good evening, Ben. Rocco Rosado. Good evening to you. Let's get ready to enjoy some great hobby chat with two of the hobbies. Thank you so much, Rocco. Great to have you as always. We got Michael Hammond. That was good evening, Michael. Hit that reminding everyone to hit that like button. I always appreciate that, Michael. Thank you so much. Dennis Lescombe. Good evening to you. Let's go. Steve Elmore is here. We got Jeff McMahon. Hello, everyone. Going to be thank you so much, Jeff. David G. Frank Gostella is here again. Good evening, Frank. Steve Elmore, what's up with all the thumbs down? People hasn't even started yet. Hey, sometimes that'll happen. Victor, the rookie card specialist, is here. Everybody, good evening, Victor. Terry Fortune. Jay Lee is looking cool. He must have AC. I am dying here. I do have AC, Terry, and it is very hot here today, as you would well know. Uh, we got YYC in the house. Couple of legends on the screen now. Going to be a thank you so much, YYC. Thank you for acknowledging Mike as well. Yo and hello, gents. I've heard that before. Good evening, Junk Slabs. Brody the Kid in the house. Good evening, Brody. Ron Fig, welcome to Sports Cards Live. We got Eric in the house. It was a long day, Eric. We did Hobby Hotline this morning too. Ricardo, hey to you. YYC, golf and vintage baseball cards. I think Mike is my hetero life mate. Hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Eric Perry, great to have you. Silver Jackify, welcome to the channel. Great to see you. We got Vintage Oddball. He says, Mike got me started on YouTube. He's the man. See, that's really cool right there. That's how the hobby grows and how we, we, we build relationships and make friends. So welcome, to the, welcome back to the channel, Vintage Oddball. Let's get pumped, says Silver Jackify. Cheers to you, Michael Sassoni. Welcome to the channel. Frank Ostella says, Mike, if you get to Michigan, let's tee it up. We can play a country club where I am a PGA teaching professional. Jeremy, if you play golf, we'd love to have you join us too. Thanks for not leaving me out, Frank. I appreciate that very much. Kent, good evening to you. Kelly Winters, hello to you. We got Steve Menzies from the Sport Card Expo. Good evening, Steve. And we got MD Pity. Welcome to the show. Look, yeah, who isn't looking forward to Chicago right now? I know if you're going, you are looking forward to it. YYC says, Chad has sold some iconic collectors, Vintage Oddball and Silver Jackify, two of the best vintage collections. I'm honored to have you guys here tonight. Welcome. And we got Dustin, the personal finance dad, joining us. Good evening, Dustin. Great to see you, my friend. Okay, Mike. Hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. most of these guys, so we're good. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, I, and you know what? It'll, as I say to everybody, I want you to be comfortable. I want this to be a pleasant experience for everybody. And it's just, it's nice to have some of your people here. So I'm glad they came. Thank you, everybody, for that. Mike, let's talk about YouTube. How did you get started on YouTube? Like, what got you on YouTube in the first place? 
what's YouTube? No, just kidding. Uh, I saw, I started watching videos probably 2010, 2011, somewhere in that range. And you called me an OG at the beginning. I'm not really, I don't, I don't consider myself an OG because there were guys doing it for years before I even started. And those were guys I watched Puff Bear 359 and, you know, Michael Wilkie, uh, AR Falk 77. And there were just so many guys way before me doing this. And what I was watching it and I was like, man, I, I have some pretty cool stuff. I wonder if uh, somebody would like to see my stuff. So I started doing videos and they were terrible, absolutely terrible at the beginning and kind of sporadic. I didn't do regular content until probably around 2016, maybe 2017. It was more a few videos a year uh, and then just got more into it and started just really. And what started it really was me doing more regular content was doing feet, doing videos, getting feedback from people to do more and more and more and more. And I've still had so many things I've never even shown on my channel that I own in my collection. Cause it's hard to get through it all. But uh, yeah, I just, the people started making me the friends that I was making, the connections I was making started making me want to do more and more content. So here we are a yeah, thousand yeah. videos, thousand plus videos later. Sorry. No, that's amazing. I can, I, I can really uh, identify with that as well in that, you know, when you have, when you receive positive feedback on what you're doing, it really does encourage you to keep going. And uh, you must have received a lot of that along the way. Otherwise, it might have been more difficult to keep going. And I, I just say that because I, I get some positive feedback myself and it does encourage. And that's what I always say back to people is thank you. That makes it worthwhile to know that people are enjoying what you're putting out there. So so let's talk a bit about, you know, first of all, you said that the original videos were really terrible. Are they still live on your channel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, awesome. that's awesome. So, so save us the time to go back and watch a thousand videos how has your content has your style evolved over the past eight years i've gotten a lot more comfortable on camera which is i i've been on camera literally since the beginning i i always felt my wife would would ask me like what are you doing and people are going to know who you are and whatnot and i'm like honey if somebody wants to find us bad enough they can find us you know kind of thing and you know you you worry about that. I, at the time I had younger kids and, you know, uh, but I forgot the question already, Jeremy, I was already just going off on a tangent. Uh, how how's it evolved? Evolved? yeah. Yeah. Your and style. So my style hasn't really changed. I've gotten a lot smarter about the hobby just by watching other people's content and absorbing and being a sponge about it. And I've learned to be much more diverse. I've gotten more into vintage, than when I was originally, although that was really starting to take shape at that point, uh, pretty, pretty heavily. So I was already kind of into it. And then, yeah, just more, a little more, just talk about the hobby maybe than just my collection. It, it's been not, not as personal. It's a little bit more, Hey, what's going on in the hobby world? Because I pay a lot more attention to that now. And but I'm just me like all the time, which as you can tell by, this is probably a record number of thumbs down for 20 minutes into a live stream, but I'm not watching, man. I don't, I don't, I don't even care. I'm happy. I, I'm, I'm proud and honored to have you on the show, Mike. So I, I don't, all the thumbs. Hey, they're tuning in. If they're thumbs downing, they're still here. So that's okay. Well, I used to care a lot and I don't anymore. Cause like you said, they're at least watching 
and fine. You well, can think what you want. So, and you know, when you've when you've been producing content as long as you are, you know, you can't make everybody happy all the time. You're not gonna resonate with everybody. And I know we chatted. You you felt like you're a bit of a polarizing figure as far as hobby content goes. Why, why do you think that is? Um, God, that's a really good question. Sorry, I was reading the chat. I didn't hear the whole question. So I'm reading the chat. It's so. I'm going to. I'm going to turn the chat off for you right now. I'm going to turn it off. So no, I, I like to read it. I just I feel bad. Uh, and Don't I'm worry. having. I'm having I, a. I will. I will bring. I will bring all the chat into play. Okay. Ask me the question again. So you, you, you've been doing content for a long time. And and I know you know anyone who's creating content of any type on any medium knows that you're not going to make everybody happy right. all the time. Right, right, you're right. Not, not everyone's going to identify with you and you're not going to resonate with everybody. So you felt, we chatted, you felt like you have been a polarizing figure or uh, uh, to a degree uh, in your content. And I just want to know, why do you think that is? Well, I don't even think uh, it's even to a degree. It's absolutely true. And I think <laughs> it's going to sound bad, but it's true. I think it's some of it's jealousy from other people uh, for whatever reason. And that's okay. I mean, I am better looking than most everybody except for Joe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's the beard. Everybody digs the beard. No, I, I wish I knew. I, mean, I can be a jerk, I guess. I, I'm very direct. I'm very, I'm brutally honest sometimes about topics and things. And it probably just rubs people the wrong way. And what's sad is people watching you on video, they think they know you. Now, hopefully you're being your authentic self in a large degree. But the reality is people don't see what's happening behind the scenes. They don't see the relationship I have with my wife or my kids or my career. And all they see is one aspect of, of Mike Moynihan. They don't see the whole picture of Mike Moynihan. They don't know about my faith and all the other things that are so important in my life that they, they get this, okay, here's who Mike is. And they jump to conclusions. And that's insanely unfair, by the way. And yet it's okay to do that because that's all they get to see. Now, the people that are my friends that I know that have been to my house, that have spent the night here and gone to shows with and whatnot, you ask them their opinion. And that's who I, that's the people I really care about how they, what they think about me. And other than that, you know, I can't so, change, like you said, you can't make everybody happy. You can't. So then let, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, people only know you from and me and any person that they're watching on YouTube. They only know us for what we allow them to see and hear and read and that sort of right. thing. Is there and is there something that you would like people to know about you that you don't think you've put out there yet? Is there anything that you that you would like? You know, I, I the word hater is it's a strong word. I've had some. You've had some. And I thought to myself, you know, would they hate me if they knew this about me or that about me? And so that's what I'm putting to you right now. Is there something that you'd like people to know about you that you don't think they know yet? Um, it, well, before I answer that, I'll tell you that I think I could cure cancer and I'd still get, you know, a bunch of thumbs down on videos. You know, so I think it's just people being people. People are just want to, some people just want to stir the pot. 
what about me? Uh, my best friend is my wife and I adore her. And if she wasn't supportive or any of that, if she said, Hey, I want you to stop doing YouTube tomorrow. It's taking too much time. It's taken away from me or whatever. I would do it tomorrow. That's how important that stuff is compared to this stuff. If that makes sense. I mean, real life is still out there and we all do it. I mean, if I do a 10 minute video, that's 10 minutes of my life of a 24 hour day, right? I mean, there's so much more to my life and everyone else's life. Um, you know, it's, you get a glimpse, you get a sliver of someone's life. How can you make any judgments about them beyond what you're seeing? And, you know, I don't worry about the haters, by the way. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I really don't anymore. I used to a lot, but I don't anymore. I know. I was on me. I'm the guest. I'm the guest. I can do whatever I want. Uh, I'm used to being in your chair and doing the interviews and having to stay focused, but I appreciate everybody's support. And genuinely I get way more people that are complimentary slash uh, supportive than I do the haters. So it, it's 10 to one minimum, maybe even more. So Good. those are the people that I appreciate and, gravitate towards that's all yeah awesome so. okay let me let me go to some comments here sports and collectibles good evening to you and uh thank you for enjoying watching the show thomas newman thank you so much very much appreciate the super sticker ricardo canales says you were talking taxes a few months back i started my llc has there been any new info from the tax guy who is an autograph collector who i did see that show that you had on your channel uh or i guess on bench clear uh, several months ago now, a, a great episode, guys. Go check out this, and I don't know the date, but I feel like this was already probably in the last fall. You no, it was February. Just no, it was February. last fall. You're right, because yeah. we were trying to get people what to do year-end and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, go, guys, go check out that video on BenchClear. I think yourself and Ty both were uh, were interviewing that gentleman. Yes. Uh, Silver Jackify says, do you have a target card you're looking for at the National? Well, let, let's lighten up the mood for a minute, Mike. Any target cards for you at the, at the National? Well, I'd love a Silver Jackify custom card, but uh, I already have one of those, so I don't really need one again. Uh, wait till the National. You'll see You'll see Joe and I doing something pretty funny with his custom card. that We do it at every show that we're at. It's pretty funny. Uh, but maybe a Satchel Page rookie? 49 Bowman? Not the... Not the uh, 48 leaf. <laughs> I wish I could afford that card. Uh, maybe that one. You know, I go into shows very open-minded. I've said this many times on my channel. You know, I don't try to have target cards, but I'm definitely, I'm maybe a 48 leaf uh, Stan Musial is on the, uh, is on the docket, but that's about it. Other than that, I'm just, I have plenty of cards I need for all the different, you know, myriad of projects that I'm always continuously working on. So yeah. I'll find something. I promise. We have a question on the set registry. We're going to get, we'll, we'll come to uh, sport and collectibles. We'll come, to, we'll get to this question when we get into that topic shortly, but thank you for that. Um, I want to also, I want to say hello to Mike from Eastridge. He goes on to ask if we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, oh, this is what I thought it was. Uh, does bench clear have a booth, the national this year? We do actually. Uh, Bench Clear has a booth. We're going to be well. The floor is gigantic. I, I I don't even have the booth number memorized. But yes, we will be there. 
We will have a booth. I will probably not be there very much because I'll be walking around the show, but yes, we do. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to see you there. Uh, Mike, uh, sorry, Sport and Collectible says Mike, baseball card collector is OG. So there you go, Mike. You are, see that? I was going to say that before. You're OG to some people like myself. I started last year. In 10 years, I'll be OG to new people, right? That's just the way, that's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, Facts right there. Chris Sumter, do you think we'll ever get the national back in Texas, Dallas, or Houston? Probably not, but you don't need it. You got the Dallas show now. Gareth right. Miller says, Mike always seemed like a stand-up guy to me. Frank loves your content. Oh, boy, we got lots of comments. We're going to go through these, Mike. Uh, I've only heard great things about Mike. Cheers to you. Uh, don't worry about the hater. Seems like a good guy. Love your rants on Project 2020. He's a great guy. I've met him behind the camera. That's awesome. From Vintage Oddball. Pretty easy to see how genuine Mike is. Yeah, you know, when, when, you, when you get talking about these things that really – tug on emotions we are human this guy's human right we're all human so uh i hear it i hear it as well people don't like the truth hey jeremy hey chad good evening to you md pitt says you're a class act mike you're a class act good evening to brad canadian cards as well as groupies be at the national we all got groupies how we wish mark <laughs> says i have mike to thank for better or worse getting me into the 1940 play ball set so you know that's you're welcome mark when you're inspiring people to collect, to take on a new project, that's that's good. That's good stuff right there. MD's looking for a 79 Opeachy Gretzky, PSA 1 or 2. That's right up my alley, MD. Glad to see that. Got You got Sport and Collectible into the PSA set registry. Set, my guy Eric says, hey, crazy idea. If you don't like the content on YouTube on a YouTube channel, don't watch it. It's really as simple as that. Isn't or it? take time out of your day, go to that channel, hit the thumbs down, and leave because you want to leave your mark. I mean, I guess you can do that too. I don't know if you can't test the sarcasm there. Maybe uh, you don't understand sarcasm. All right. We got Kelly Hilo. Good evening from, I don't know if I said that probably, but welcome from Hawaii. Bobby Baseball says, Mike's channel is awesome. He makes me appreciate the hobby and my vintage baseball cards that much more. And it's because you're like-minded, right? We like the same things. That's why, and we all can't always get along all the time, but when we can, that is really just awesome when we do meet people that we um, that we really identify with and just um, connect with. And uh, Criminal Mind says, from being in the hobby for so long, have you guys ever seen growth in prices at rate we experienced in prior to 2020? Could you make a living grading and flipping? The first part is no. We've never seen growth like we experienced in 2020. And could you make a living from grading and flipping cards? I mean, I don't know that people were... I think you could have a side hustle doing it if you had a good eye, but it not like it wasn't something that people were literally quitting jobs to do or supporting themselves from that I know of uh, to some people, there were experts. I mean, Eric Myers was doing it, but not everybody could do it back then. Mike, what was your, what's your perspective on that? Uh, same answer for no, the first part of that question. And I mean, there were card shops and dealers and people that, you know, did cards for a living, but it wasn't like you said, where any kind of Tom, Dick and Harry could throw a dart. I, I liken it to the stock market in the late nineties where you could literally just throw a dart and make 30% in the tech bubble, you know, that happened in the late nineties in the stock market. And this was like that. I mean, any card you picked, Oh, it was up 20%. It's up 30%. You didn't have to know anything. And I think all these people getting into the hobby, deaf, blind, and silly, they just throwing money at it 
and oh, everything's just going to go up for in perpetuity. And that's just not true. And oh, by the way, we're seeing that now. I mean, if you think February and March was the height of the of the hobby, you're probably right. And I think we're going to continue to see a flattening of prices. And that's really great heading to the national. I just hope all the dealers get the memo, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I, th I think we're. I, I've said it so many times now. It feels like every time I'm on the air that you know you take February, March, or the last week of January to the first week of March, just erase it from from the hobby comp history, and we're still a very nice, a very nice uh, escalation trajectory upwards. It's it's not too crazy. So uh, we're doing just fine today compared to where we were a year ago. Jacob Thiessen says, "What's the best way to start planning for the national 2022? Go to 2021." That's the best way. Or, or if you can't, and that's obviously understandable, um, consume some content that comes out of it and see what's going on. See what people are saying. You're going to have months of content coming after this one that's upcoming. I know Mike's going to be talking about it. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be doing some stuff from there. I'm sure Mike will too. You know, it, it's going to be a wealth of content and uh, something like we've never seen before. Quite certain. Let's go to Tyler's question. He says, guys, very excited for this. With all the oversaturation of content about the financial stuff in the hobby, I find myself going back and rewatching Mike's videos to see some pure collecting. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, that's wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful comment. Chris says, are we repeating the junk wax era with all the limited numbered parallels? Uh, quick answer, no. We, I don't think we are. I, I don't know about you, Mike. I've talked about this so many times. And uh, Chris, appreciate the question, but we're going to, not discuss this right now unless mike you have a very quick comment on that we're in the junk slab era there we go and billy o says the haters are probably the collectors that collect the shiny stuff per mike's dad's mike's dad's opening monologue on the golden age of cardboard podcast okay mike i want to ask you this now yep you've been doing youtube for a long time what advice would you give somebody who is just getting started or thinking about launching a new YouTube channel? Show stuff you really care about. Let that passion effuse into your audience. You know, wear it on your sleeve. Be yourself. Um, be like some people have said, be authentic uh, in comments and stuff. Just be yourself. And you're going to have people that like it and people that don't. And the ones that don't, don't worry about them just you're going to make so many friends. I cannot tell you how cool it is to make connections with people that are across the country or around the world or wherever. It's incredibly unique and incredibly special. And uh, I don't take it lightly. And some of those people are in the chat that, I mean, I've, I talk to somebody in the hobby literally every day, if not multiple people every day. And it's just becomes a great, part of your life if you'll let it and you, and YouTube has will bring that to you and don't expect it to all happen at once you're not going to become YouTube famous in this hobby nobody is and you know it's <laughs> compared to YouTube overall the hobby niche the sports card niche is minuscule you know and so don't expect great things but stay at it you know if you're going to start a channel don't give up early just keep being yourself and Stay consistent. Yeah, let it grow organically would be sort of how I'd sum that all up, right? Be authentic, let it grow organically, and and just enjoy it. If you enjoy it, your passion will come through. I really believe that. And, you know, again, drawing on your YouTube creator experience, 
the content on YouTube. Now I only, and I ask this uh, genuinely because I really only started watching hobby content on YouTube to uh, this probably early 2019. So okay. two and a half years ago. Are, do you, do you like how it's evolved over the past 10 or so years? The content, I remember it being mostly um, breaks, like box breaks and, and, uh, showcases of collections and mail days and that which i just it wasn't my thing so i didn't it didn't it didn't hook me i tr i looked at it, it just didn't hook me it hooked you obviously you started watching early and maybe i just wasn't seeing the right stuff or, or i wasn't finding it but talk a bit about how the content has evolved and what you think of, of where it's going well there's so much of it right i mean there's even all the channels i'm subscribed to probably like you several hundred channels, you can't watch it all. You could sit there all day and watch stuff and you could never watch it all. So you have to be selective in what you watch. Uh, I have probably 15 or 20 guys that I will literally watch every minute, every second of everything they do. And that's mainly because I know them so well beyond the cards, if that makes sense. And so I, I don't, you can't watch it all anyway. So really find stuff that, that hits home for you. Uh, no, I don't like necessarily where it's going. Uh, I mean, I was at the Dallas show and there were, I don't know, a dozen or so camera crews walking around, you know, making plays and guys talking about all, all the financial aspects of the hobby. And I gravitate towards content that I get to hear stories and, you know, I like kind of the newsy kind of stuff, but, I like the interview kind of shows. I like learning about people. I like learning about why they love what they love. I mean, I watch guys that don't collect anything close to me, but I love the passion that they infuse into it. I love the way they describe it and they connect the connections they make. All of that, that matters to me. I want to see the heart of the content. I can see cards anytime I want on eBay and go look at, find any card and or an auction house or whatever. I want to see more than that, more than just the card. Why did you buy that card? You know, why does it matter to you? And it better not be because I want to flip it next week and make a hundred dollars or whatever. I'll, I'll tune out real quick after that. Yeah. And you know, there is lots of that obviously. And I think it does appeal to, uh, to the audience that it appeals to. And, but you, as I said at the beginning, you're a true collector. I think, you know, as far as the collector investor dichotomy spectrum goes, you're as far towards collector as one can go, maybe without just touching it, because we all, we all, well, not we all, you and me, uh, we are, we are aware of the money we're putting into our cards and we don't want them to be worth zero. So that's why I say you're not, there's, there is some investor thought when you're putting money out, but in the end of the day, yes, I believe you're, you're a complete, you're a collector. And so you're going to gravitate towards collector type of uh, content, just like you you gravitate towards collector cards versus investor cards. And I know there, there can be some overlap there, but um, okay, let's, before we switch over to the next topic, I'm just going to bring on a Junk Slabs. Yes, Junk Slabs, I am going to the national. I will go there no matter what it takes. Ben Carlos making plays. Dave Archer says, I love the YouTube 10, 11 years ago, personal box breaks, mail days, trade recaps, and the family highlights. I'm not a fan of the hashtag invest advice videos that flood the feeds now. Can I, can I make a point to that? Of what yes. Dave, yes, Dave of course. There? 
he's totally right. Uh, again, but this is even before me. Like I told you, I'm not an OG. There were OGs before me, and they were incredibly close. They all knew each other. They knew their families. They did. I mean, it was care packages galore. They would just total random acts of kindness. That was what permeated YouTube. And I, I enjoyed that. You know, they'd break, break boxes or on camera or show their PC or mail days and stuff. You said you didn't, you know, that's not really your thing. And that's okay. Like it's not one's right and one's wrong, but that was what I cut my teeth on in terms of content consumption. And I, I, I dug it. I really liked it. So it was different back then. And a lot of those people have left YouTube because they got so disenfranchised with the way it had shifted kind of to my generation. And then now it's shifting even more away from that kind of stuff. It's, it feels way YouTube. Here's a way to put it. I just kind of came with, with this idea. It's way, it feels way less personal now. Like nobody's telling stories like, uh, I did a video last year. My daughter was in a wreck and I did a, I did a video just about that and how that was crazy and dealing with that. And she was fine and, and all that, but that's, I didn't show a single card. I didn't talk about dollars and cents or anything. It was just me talking to my friends, sharing and your it, life. Right. And sharing it feels life. like that. It's just way less personal. Yeah. And I don't know that I, that I like that <laughs> really honestly, and you know, you, you mentioned how the, the the show and tell sort of thing didn't appeal to me. And and I when I think about why would that be? And maybe it's because um, I, like many others, and this just for me, it was very involved in message boards. And I got my fill of like mail day posts there. And maybe that's where that's how I got used to consuming people's mail days. So I would see the videos and just, just again, just not my method of consumptions. I wanted more of what you are looking for now. And I'm sure I, I, I'm. It's obvious you still enjoy that video. And I've watched a few and, and I can enjoy them too. But I find myself skipping to the next card. I just want to see the cards a lot of the time. But this it's the storytelling. It's knowing the people that I, I love about uh, about YouTube. Okay, let's keep on going here. Uh, Bobby Baseball says, Hobby YouTube content has been great over the past few years, largely and frankly due to YouTube gents. Bravo. That's really nice. Thank you very much, Bobby Baseball. Uh, Shave Logs, welcome to the show. Shay says, collectors don't like to hear investment card advice and what to buy and not to buy, especially from people that entered the hobby the last two years because that's all they know. Astute comment, I would say, on that right there, Shay. By the way, check out Hobby Update podcast on all your uh, hobby uh, and all, all your uh, podcast platforms from Shay and Putnam. Uh, I think they just hit episode 10 or so, which I've been enjoying. Steve Elmore says, bottom line, buy what you like. What you enjoy, yeah, can't can't argue with that at all. Brad says it's true. Everyone used to know each other on on uh, YouTube ten years ago. And Daniel, welcome to the show. Okay, we have topics we got to get through, Mike, and I can tell we could go three hours, which I'd be okay with, but we got to stick to a bit of a schedule. Let's talk about Bench Clear Media a little bit. Um, Bench Clear Media is another channel on YouTube that you, with some uh, other YouTubers, I'll call them part slash partners, started. Can you tell us what the motivation and was behind it and what it's, what it's uh, sort of mission was? Yeah, it's the idea was to bring together content creators from different genres and put them all in one place, put them on one channel to give people out there uh, kind of a one-stop shop 
a football guy and a soccer guy and a basketball expert. And my role was to do vintage cards. I, I literally didn't do anything different really in terms of what my, ex the expectations for me were, was just do what you do, Mike, just keep doing that. Just do it over here. And that was the idea really of Ty Wilson of Bentr uh, Breaker Culture was is his podcast and he's a podcaster and he wasn't really into YouTube a whole lot. And he thought, man, this is something I'm missing out on in terms of an audience. And so he brought me and Pat Geek, Jeff in, and we just started it trying to gather other content creators. The reality of it is I don't think people really want that. Um, we, we've been doing it for a little over a year, about 13 months now. And the reality is it feels like there are people like people watch my show, but it's like any other, it's like a network, right? Think of a television network on NBC or whatever. I don't watch every show on that. I watch the shows I like, and that can be true for anyone else watching a YouTube network. That, that was the idea is build a network. Not everybody's, but there might be some crossover. There might be some, uh, kind of overlap that happens just naturally and organically. We actually found that that did that has, that doesn't happen. People will watch my video and they don't watch ties or they watch ties and don't watch mine. And there is some where people, but I think they would watch it, whether it was on bench clear or on their own independent channels. I think that would happen. So it has turned into now where it's really just me and Ty, and we're, we're going to keep the network going for a long time. Uh, there's no nothing that's going to stop. Like we're not stopping bench clear. I've decided to start doing regular content back on baseball collector and I'm still going to do my podcast on bench clear. Cause that is kind of a bench clear creation. I would have never done the podcast without ties, help guidance. Uh, and I'll tell you the best thing that's come out of bench clear for me is getting to know Ty and hanging out with him and, I mean, he's a great guy, like just period, like forget the cards and all of that. We are uh, incredibly good friends now. We talk every day and, you know, the, I think he had these grandiose expectations. Don't get me wrong. Bitch Clear has almost 10,000 subscribers, so it's not a small channel by any stretch. It, twice as big as Baseball Collector is for sure. And so we've definitely maybe hit a niche. I just don't, maybe we just didn't execute it correctly or with the right people or whatnot, but everybody, it's funny how YouTube, I know I'm going on here, but YouTube people are very protective of their own brand or their own identity. And to intermingle that with something else that may or may not fit them is scary. And it certainly was for me. I'm like, well, why? But I, when I'd left, doing basic content on baseball collector, I'd done at that point seven or 800 videos. And I'm like, man, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I want to try something different. I want to be a part of something that's trying to do something different. Will it be successful? Will it fall flat on its face? I don't know, but I'm willing to take a shot and give it a try. And we, we've for sure done that. You know, we've, we've tried to have as a much diverse type of content as we can. And, you know, there's a lot out there on that channel too, for everybody's tastes, if you like yeah. it, you know, so well, we've, we've had it streaming guys on, on, uh, on the ticker. I will have it again up there in a few minutes. So be sure to subscribe to bench clear. Be sure to subscribe to baseball collector. If you haven't yet, um, 
you know, talk a bit about your podcast, The Golden Age of Cardboard. And for anyone out there who hasn't seen it yet, as Mike just mentioned, it lives on the Bench Clear Media YouTube channel. And if nothing else, if you are not interested in the Golden Age of Cardboard, just go listen to the intro. The intro is, <laughs> it'll for me, it, it'll just live as something I'll never forget. It, it kind of has become... I don't know. It's like a hobby jingle to me now, even though it's not so much a jingle. But Mike, talk a bit about about your podcast. Um, when did you start it? And uh, and how has it really helped enhance your hobby experience? We started about 10 months ago. Uh, I think I have close to 40 episodes on there. The idea was I wanted I've I, people have told me for years, Mike, you need to do a podcast. I'm like, I don't have the foggiest idea how to do it. I'm old. You know, I'm like, I don't know how to do a podcast. Oh, it's easy and this and that. And I'm like, well, maybe for you, but I can hit play or record on my phone and do a video. I figured that out. And so it just felt like this mountain I was unwilling to to climb, even though it's probably a pretty, you know, short mountain. It's probably not very tall, but I just, and, but Ty, who does a podcast bench on a breaker culture podcast is an expert at it. So when we came together on bench clear, he really encouraged me to do that and to do one on vintage. I, he said, there's not a lot of vintage content out there in the podcast world. And I said, all right, great. I've wanted to do that. So then I had my dad I said, dad, will you do this? Uh, this intro for my thing. I want you, cause he has actually a, a very nice speaking voice, believe it or not. He does. And yeah. I said, Hey, come, come do this and do your best announcer voice and, you know, be silly. And we probably recorded three or four of them. And I said, Hey, why don't you put this at the end, you know, from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan, and he did. And that's the one we went, I was like, that's perfect. Like he did it in one take and it was perfect. And I'm like, that's it. We don't need to do anymore. And it was totally self-deprecating in a way that it, you're only your dad can say, realistically hey he came from the shallow end of the gene pool and it was super funny and i i love doing it because i get guys on there that are way smarter than me about certain topics uh, i'll do some solo episodes but genuinely i like to have other people where it can be a discussion it's not meant to be necessarily an interview show it's meant more to be a discussion about a certain certain vintage to topic and i i consider the golden age of cardboard really 48 to 1980. People would call that the vintage era. So I think it's important. And Dr. Beckett and I talked about this the other day. I don't remember. We did a home and home. So I don't know if it was on my show or his show, but really you need to define cardboard into eras and not, you know, what's modern, what's, what's technically vintage. I think vintage is such a broad descriptor. If you just said we got, cause everybody says the pre-war era, like that's already considered an era, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then you can have the golden age era and then you have the overproduced era or whatever the modern, you know, you can, you can really delineate. And then if you said golden age era, you would know the time frame that it's talking. If you said vintage, that can be different yeah. definitions for different people. And so um, I wanted to do that era because that's an era that I'm incredibly passionate about. And that's where my focus really is in my, in my hobby life. And so, it made total sense. And I bring in smarter people than me. That's the key to success on any yeah. collaborative show, right? I really, I, I really enjoyed your episode with Dr. Beckett. I, I, I watched that and then I listened to uh, to his episodes with you. 
And uh, yeah, really, really, uh, the show you, when you had him on your channel, that was a real easy watch, easy listen. It was just such a relaxing discussion you guys had. Um, so kudos, kudos to you on uh, on that particular one. I, I did, I did completely enjoy that. Tyler says, I love the barn find videos you made as a vintage collector. That's the kind of content I live for. That's awesome. Eric just subscribed to BenchClear. Looking forward to checking it out. Very awesome, Eric. Shay says, this is actually very informative and honest. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Thank you for recognizing that, Shay. And uh, Gareth says, watching Mike and his dad build the cabinet is one of my favorite baseball-oriented videos. So this is on the list to talk about. If you guys are watching this right now, over what would be Mike's right shoulder, you see that beast of a cabinet. with It looks like the old index uh, index card filing things you see at the library. Tell us, uh, I mean, this is, we're skipping way ahead on the list, but let's do it anyway. Tell us a little bit about the experience that Gareth is mentioning when he talks about watching you and your dad build that and uh, what's, what are in those drawers? Uh, thousands of PSA slabs is in those drawers. Uh, I, I was getting to a point with slab, you know, buying cards that this was, God, I can't even remember now, four years ago probably that I built this. And I went to my dad, who is a absolute master craftsman, woodworker. That's his hobby. That's his obsession. And his uh, he collects tools. And he has a, a thing on his uh, shop that says, the best thing I, coll I, uh, I build with these tools are friends. Or the best things, I, I can't remember how, I, can, I just went blank. It's a great saying about just friendship that, hey, the best thing uh, I make, that's what it is. The best thing I make with these tools is friends. And that's so true of our hobby too. There's so many parallels and I wanted to build something custom. I wanted it to be nice. I wanted it to be like a piece of furniture that I wouldn't be embarrassed to have in my house. And instead of just a cardboard, you know, two row box or something that we keep slabs in. And I went to my dad, I kind of designed it and said, here's what I'm thinking. And we totally just custom built it like from scratch, drawing on a paper napkin kind of thing and went and bought all the wood. It's made out of walnut. Uh, each drawer has a walnut face. Uh, and I did, we did three or four, maybe five videos where we went through all of the process of building it and talking through it. It's a great series. I'll never forget it. What a wonderful experience to share with your dad, right? To be oh, able yeah. to take what he knows and, and is so passionate about and so skilled and crafts, craftsmanship to what I did in terms of my vision for have, making a place to store all my cards. When I first had it, I only had maybe one row full. Now I it's completely full <laughs> and uh, it holds about 4,000 slabs. So, so you need, you almost need another beast. There was one episode that you did where you actually emptied the beast and you had all the cards laid out on a big, I guess a, a big dining room table, whatever it was. It was my so, dining room table. Yeah. Yeah. Your dining room table. And I mean, I watched that video and it's like, wow, this guy's got a lot of, a lot of slabs, a big collection. I recommend you guys go find that. I don't know. I don't remember when it came out. It's probably, I don't know. feels like maybe around Christmas time, something like that, whenever it was. Go check out that video on, and I believe that would have been on the Baseball Collector channel. Is that right? Yeah, and I it's called the title of it's the Beast Threw Up because uh, up. it was like I, you know, when you have car, think about when we were kids, right? And you had a binder, 
and you'd have cards and you're like, oh crud, this one goes here. And you'd have to kind of accordion all the cards through your binder to get that one back in its spot. Cause we weren't, I wasn't smart enough. I shouldn't say we, I wasn't smart enough to think to leave a space for that card. <laughs> Plus it felt weird to have spaces, you know, in a page as a kid, I, I was very, you know, obsessive about it and compulsive. That's a disorder for most people. And so when I had to do that on the beast, it, the beast, the drawers get full and I had to just kind of accordion them. And I finally said, okay, let me just make sure everything's organized. Right. I took everything out and I said, this would be a fun video. It looks like the beast beast just threw up here yeah. on my dining room table, which that dining room table, I do a lot of videos on it of player showcases and whatnot. My dad and I actually built that too. Well, so look, at, look yeah. at this comment here from Gareth. He says, I think you and your dad need to bond some more. I'll take one beast, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Clever, clever comment. Uh, and then, um, Sports and collectibles. Good, good question here. Do you have a child collecting that you will pass that down to? I hope it stays in your family for generations. Well, my kids appreciate it. Uh, I think they, truth be told, they probably don't care a whole lot about, I mean, my son loves baseball, but he, and maybe, maybe that'll happen over time. My son's 21. My daughter's 19. They're both in college. They got their own things going on. Uh, maybe they'll get there at some point. I know my wife has taught, like I have literally, and I've done a video about this, about what happens if somebody passes away. I mean, we see it right now on uh, who's the big auction house doing the Thomas Warren collection. Um, some big, a huge collector. He died and he oh. had this amazing. $20 million collection. It's Probably heritage. being sold by memory lane and oh. it's not Thomas Warren. It's the babe, the babe Ruth. So, and uh, Yes. And uh, anyway, you got to know what you're going to, what happens if, right. And that's what the video is called. What happens if, yeah. and it's really actually more what happens when it's not a question of if I'm going to die yeah. at some point, hopefully a long time from now, but we all need to think about what happens down the road if something happens to you now and julie literally has a list of people that i know in the hobby and where to send stuff and if she doesn't want it like sell it all honey i'm dead i don't care anymore you know uh knock yourself out i hope i would hope my kids would keep a few things that they know are super special to me and as some of my other friends say the truth is they have all these videos. I've archived my, my passion here, yeah. you know, it's there. If they want to go watch dad and what he cared about, uh, my son's been in videos, my wife's been in videos, you know, it's a family affair to a large degree. So you can't escape it. It's all over my house. You know I mean? What are you going to do? Well, your friend here makes a good comment that, you know, the kids are still young. Grandkids will trigger so many memories for your kids. You know, cheers, Mike. Thank you. Very, and you're very welcome. Sports and collectible NFTs. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great thing about the grandkids because your kids know you pretty well, obviously. Right. But you said, you know, you've documented your, your, your passion on YouTube. And I think it's where your grandkids, your great grandkids will get to know you. They might not need the cards themselves. The beast would be a family heirloom, though, maybe more so than the cards inside of it, because that's something that great, great, great granddad and great, great dad, granddad built that might carry through, carry on. Who knows? But right. um, yeah, 
it's uh, it's cool to think, and it's not it doesn't just go for hobby content creators. It's everybody in the world right now with uh, with where we are with social media. That our our our, our descendants are going to be able to get to know us through what we're leaving behind today. And even what I just said, if my great 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 grandchild listens to that one day, they'll be like, hey. He said that, and yeah, I just said it. It's interesting to think that way. Yeah, warm, fuzzy moment. There you go. Okay, let's let's keep talking. We yeah. we talked about Dr. Beckett a few minutes ago. I want to go back to him for a moment because at the Dallas Card Show last month, he held a and organized a content creator dinner that you were at, and he 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 held this um, for a couple of reasons to get people together to share ideas and as content for his podcast. Um, I, w- I want to know what were some of the big takeaways you had from that experience, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into how awesome is it to meet Dr. James Beckett because I think we're all just so glad that we get to do that the, with the way the way the world is right now. So we know we know we're happy about that. Right. What were your, what were your big takeaways from that uh, gathering last month in Dallas? It was interesting. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was honored to be asked first. I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I got this email from Dr. Beck and he and I had never communicated before that. And I was like, how does he even know who I am? Much less inviting me to this dinner. And I was very humbled by that and honored to be a part of it. And it's funny you look around the room and every, there are so many different personalities and, and people, different types of people represented in terms of what they collect and how they go about it. Everybody's a fingerprint and a snowflake, you know, everybody's unique. And that uniqueness was really on display at that dinner. Yeah. Simple as that really. So, so, and I, you know what, the honor of being there, I don't think can really be underest under, under said under expressed because Again, opening up your email and seeing an email from Dr. Beckett there, you're not expecting it. And now he's inviting you to get together with him. Um, and his, you know, this wasn't, it, it was it was an invitation sort of thing. It wasn't an, a th- something that was just open to the public. So what an honor that must have been. Congrats to you for, for on that. And, um, you know, if the biggest takeaway you have is that everyone is so different and there's so many different approaches to content creating right now. I think it just speaks to the diversity of the hobby and the growth of the hobby. And I know that, again, as we said earlier, not everything is for everybody, but it doesn't have to be either. Let's talk a bit about the event that you are organizing the weekend of July the 10th, I believe it is. It is. It is. It's a two-day event. It is called, for everyone who's not yet familiar with it, it is an event that is called Hobby Palooza. It is on, I'm just pulling on my calendar right now, it is July the 10th and the 11th with maybe a bit of a... Uh, uh, preview preview yeah. Friday night. So Saturday the 10th, Sunday the 11th. It's called Hobby Palooza. This is going to be the second year. It debuted in 2020. And really, I believe it debuted. Part of the motivation was the national was canceled. So let's do something to replace it. But Mike, it was, I'll let you speak to it. Tell us a bit about how Hobby Palooza was, how the idea was conceived. And again, what, what your mission is for this event. Last, like you said, last year, no national. And a lot of guys were getting texts and personal messages and whatnot saying, God, this really sucks. Like, this is terrible that we don't all get to get together and hang out because I tell you, the cards are awesome. The people are better. 
you know, it, there's no question that that's true. And at least it, that's my experience when I go to the national and people were just pissy that we couldn't do that. And so I said, I came up with this idea of what if we just did something national esque in turn, we all want to hang out. Well, let's do that on the, the medium, the social media medium that we all are a part of, which is YouTube. And I started calling guy, Hey, would you want to do that? Like it was first a couple of feeler calls. Like, Hey, if a few guys say no, then obviously this is a really dumb, lame idea. And I, so I called a couple of guys and you know, they're like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I filled up three, I did three days. We did, I say, I, it was a team effort. Believe me, it was not a mic effort, but it was uh, three days of content, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like the national. And that was just so much fun. Live streams constantly all day. This year we're doing it. There is a national, at least as it stands right now. And so it's meant to just be a kind of, Hey, let's, let's all hang out. Let's get hyped for the national. Let's just go. It, it was so much fun last year. Let's do it again. We'll do it for two days, but it's 12 hours of content straight live streams every day. I wanted to make sure that it was also an opportunity for other people to hear about other channels by being on these live streams and in the chats and then, Hey, go on to the next live stream. It's over at this person's channel and just throwing people around the web, you know, around the YouTube verse of the sports card world. And it was so much fun and uh, it's going to be great again this year, I hope. So how does it work? I mean, if, how do I go to hobby Palooza? Well, Hobby Palooza isn't a real place. It's right. Uh, Your own house. It's not at Madison Square Garden or the ranch. There's a lot of people that, that want to do uh, the Hobby Palooza at the ranch. You know, it's not a concert venue. It's a it's it's a virtual event where we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm getting the, the schedule out on the 10th. We start and it's you, you can go to the hobbypalooza.com. It's a web our website for the event. We're going to have all the schedules links to everybody's channels when they're going to be live you can just literally click on it from that web page go there and watch whoever the agenda will be out probably in the next week it's full already like everything all the slots are full i'm just putting some final pieces together trying to work with ty ty's been really busy he's the one doing the website and going to put all that up there he's been dealing with some personal issues not bad things just good things in life that are taking up a lot of his time and so it's going to be really soon because we know everybody wants to know who's going to be there. You want to hear some of the people that are going to be on it? Let's do it. Uh, well, you're going to be on it. <laughs> you're making your hobby Palooza debut rookie. Uh, you can tell everybody you're going to be Saturday at uh, 3 PM Eastern, right? Yes, sir. Doing live. And you know, we've got, it does. I'm trying to think even people that were in the chat that are going to be doing it. Uh, Dustin, personal finance dad, is going to have an hour. Hobby Hotline is actually kicking it off. Uh, they're going to be doing a special live event for Hobby Palooza at, starting at 10 a.m. Central. So 11 Eastern, 10 Central is when it starts, and it goes till 10 o'clock Central at night, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we've got Ray from Philly and Ty's going to be doing a couple episodes. I'm going to be doing an episode. Oh, John from Sports Card Nation, Filmington, Mike all-time greats, Blog Victor, or I guess he's now a rookie card expert. Specialist. Specialist, there you go. 
even Pepino man's doing an hour of a live stream. So it's, it's great. We've got people that couldn't do it last year that are able to do it this year. New people that are just kind of getting there. Like you, you know, reaching out. I, I did a kind of a casting call like, Hey, who wants, this is really open. I'm not trying to be, Oh, I only want certain types of people on this event. Very open. And, uh, so yeah, a bunch of guys were, reached out. So yeah, you you were very inclusive. I I watched that video of yours, and uh, you said, yeah, if you're interested, drop me an email. So I said, yeah, I'd I'd love to, I'd love to do it because I was really excited by the event last year when I first heard about it. I thought this is this is awesome. You know, this is this is going to be a bunch of people. I'm gonna I'm gonna get get to see all these new channels exp get exposed, and um, you know, I would have been great to be involved with it last year, but. Hey, better late than never. So I thought, why not? I reached out and, um, and you know what, if nothing else, we, you know, just so the viewers know, not that you need to know, but you know, Mike and I had spent an hour together a few nights ago, just doing like a meet and greet. And, um, and that led to this tonight, actually. So, you know, it's funny how you say a sentence on a video and now we've, you and I will have spent three hours together uh, within a week. And, you know, that's how friendships, relationships are built and developed. And, and we have cardboard in common, which is a great foundation for, for friendships. Um, what else can you say? Or what else would you like the audience to know about Hobby Palooza? Well, Sponsors, we got giveaway stuff to give away. Uh, Tops is a sponsor, uh, is our, is our main sponsor. We have some other sponsors that are coming online that have reached out to us wanting to be a part of it. It's, we haven't had to go out to anybody and ask. It's been uh, very cool. I've got a bunch of boxes. They're all sitting right up here, actually. Uh, a box of Gypsy Queen we're going to be giving away, 2020 hobby box. I've got oh, a bunch of soccer. I've got some Tops Chrome, you know, Champions League. You've, i got a Formula One. Sapphire. Tops Chrome Sapphire box we're going to be giving away. And the giveaways are going to happen on everybody's channel. I'm going to work with all the con the people participating and say, hey, this is the box. Here's your box that you're going to give away on your live stream, that kind of thing. Hopefully I'll have enough. I probably won't have enough for everyone. But what do you want, Jeremy? You can pick first. Sapphire. You want to give away the Formula One Sapphire? I mean, hey, sure. I, if you want to pick it, sure. Uh, sure, man, it, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I'll just have a bunch of we'll we'll have a bunch of stuff. It's meant to hopefully have people enjoy it even more and maybe get some boxes to open since you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, lots of cool stuff, and I'm getting another shipment from Tops tomorrow, so I'll have even more tomorrow well so that that's really awesome so basically basically hobby palooza is two days of live streams basically to 12 one hour streams all different channels the people that are that are there are basically gonna be hopping from channel to channel you go to the hobby palooza or the hobby palooza.com to see what's going on where at the end of my hour am i gonna then are you gonna have me or direct me to say okay everybody Time to head over now to Ty, yep. to Ty's channel for his hour. That kind of thing. Are we going to kind of have that? Yeah. Nope. You're going to do nope. a handoff. You're going to basically, it's like a handing the baton. You know, it's a 12-hour relay race yeah. where you do your one-hour lap and then you hand it off to somebody else. 
How do I hand it off though? Do I tell my audience or the audience yeah. is watching? I tell them that, hey, next next stop on Hobby Blues, everybody now head over to channel yep. blank. Okay, that's really cool. And you'll be able to say, you know, go to the website, click on the link. You'll be able to go straight to their channel and find the live stream. And uh, yeah, that's it's that simple. It's yeah. not, <laughs> we tried to not make it difficult. So yeah, right after you is uh, George, Diamond Yard Sports Cards, so. Awesome. And I'm, you I'm you know, unfamiliar, but looking forward to getting familiar. So that's really And that's cool. the point, right? That's the whole point is, will you like Georgia stuff? Maybe, maybe not, but at least you'll have an opportunity to give it a shot. And that's kind of the idea. It's meant to just expose people to stuff they might not normally watch. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that's Hobby Palooza, everybody. July 10th and 11th, thehobbypalooza.com. And of course, uh, if you are a regular watcher of Sports Cards Live, I will be talking about it leading up to it. And as Mike mentioned, my stop, my, my slot will be 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, the 10th. And I will also uh, be fortunate enough to take play, to take part in the kickoff as I'm a part, I'm part of the Hobby Hotline team. So uh, you might get a little bit too much of me that day, but... Hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll tone down during the Hobby Hotline hour because I'll have my own later on. But uh, And guys, if you're not yet subscribed to Hobby Hotline, go subscribe to Hobby Hotline. We had a great episode this morning with Dr. Beckett, myself, and Jeff, also known as Deafness. Check, check out Hobby Hotline if you guys haven't yet. Okay, we're going to go to some more comments, and then we're going to move on to our next topic, Mike. And we're, uh, we're an hour 15 in, so we got, we got a bit more time. So great. Facebook great. user... This is a great question. This happens to a lot of people. You know, I have a collection. I'd want to pass it on to someone who will take care of it, not just sell right away. Fair request. I have no children or spouse, and my nephew niece are sadly not interested. So would I send it to my best trader friend? That's a great, that's a, it's great. It's not so great because it's a bit of a, you've got, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with it. I have a recommendation, Mike, that I'm going to put out there and see what you Go think. Ahead. And then you jump in. You know, we always talk about, well, we, can, society talks about, it's always great to have mentors. And I agree, it's great to have mentors, but mentors need apprentices, I guess. Is that what you would call it? Is that the relationship? Mentor, apprentice, something like that. Mentor. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Find somebody to mentor. That's what I would say. Find somebody to mentor uh, who you would like to bequeath your, your collection onto. Preferably someone young, younger. I think that makes sense. You know, keep the collection alive. If if that if it's important to you that your collection stays intact, that would be my recommendation to this Facebook user whose name I'm not sure of at the moment. But um, that's what I would say, Mike. What would you say? Anything different, or do you have anything to add? No, that's a a great point. I mean, most people's collections have some value, right? And Nobody wants to see something you cared so much about and were so passionate about literally just get tossed aside, so to speak. That would be tragic probably to that person. I would consider that tragic. If my kids, family, wife, whatever wants to sell all my stuff and, you know, take the money and go to Tahiti, good for them, you know, but that would that literally genuinely doesn't bother me one bit if they decided to do that. But you, I don't want it to just, I don't want them to just stick it in a dumpster either, you know. Uh, but they know, and that's the thing. You need to educate, have somebody know, 
somebody that you trust needs to know what you have and it needs to be somebody that you would either a want to pass it on to bequeath it to or just a, a friend that can take care of it for you but if you have yeah if you have an estate plan if you have a will you should have you should have an addendum to that will that talks about you know specific directions for my sports card collectible collection upon my my demise something like that okay let's keep going or they could donate sorry i'm going to interrupt yeah, yeah they could donate it you know Great. to a, they could donate it to the baseball hall of fame or actually they don't take donations anymore they used to uh they don't do that anymore but maybe i'll start the baseball card hall of fame and make it a brick and mortar building and people can just bequeath all their collections to the baseball card hall of fame or museum you know whatever or put or you know you can you can have them put in a trust and have that trust sell them off but you want to sell them properly direct them to a reputable seller whether it's one of the established auction houses whether it's the the traditional ones or the online ones something like that okay let's keep going though triple v says mike has been a good contributor to pre-war baseball content on youtube which is something i do appreciate the rube waddell episode is my favorite very very nice Lee Haskins, I understand the flippers and they are part of the hobby, but yeah, the collector and long-term investor is the core of the hobby. I enjoy all in the hobby. Very nice and inclusive. Lee Haskins, uh, sport and collectibles says, will Tops and Panini be there? How about Upper Deck? Jeremy has some great UD contacts. Very excited. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll reach out and see if, uh, if, if there's anything uh, there. Good evening, Smallville. Great to have you. We talked about the agenda. We're excited about personal finance, Dad. Brody's excited and is a part of the Hobby Hotline team. Uh, Ryan from Card Collector 2, is he going to be involved? Uh, he was last year. I think if you go to the website right now, you'll see last year's people that were on it. Uh, I'm working on getting Ryan to be a part of it, for sure. Awesome. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, cheers, Mike and Benchclear for making this happen. Yeah, that can't be understated as well. I like this. Call it Passing the Hobby Torch from show to show. F1 and Chrome Soccer, Sport and Collectibles, lighting up the chat right now. Tuning in at 3 p.m. for Jeremy and a shot at F1, no doubt. Toa Hang in the house, good morning. Good evening, sorry. Good evening, Toa. Better late than never, as always. Smallville says, amazing, or absolutely amazing idea. Love it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I'm really honored to be a part of it, Mike. Thanks for, for opening it up. 100%. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, Canadian Cards says, and the Habs will have won the Stanley Cup by the time Hobby Palooza happens. Possibly, possibly. Uh, what else we got here? Um, here we go. Seriously, put in a trust with sell-off clauses so they have to appreciate it before selling. You are forced to appreciate this collection. <laughs> and he goes on to say, do you think that the doctor that died in Florida with a huge collection is happy the collection is being split up? Or do you think he wished it stayed with someone else? I mean, we can't, with the, what, I mean, interesting question, but I have to assume that he left direction. Have to assume. All right. He, how many of you out there, hold on, I'm sorry, Jeremy. Oh, please go. How many, how many people out there, if you could, he's going to probably raise 20 to $30 million for his family, just from the stuff he's selling in this auction. If I, if that was me and I'm, about to die and my family says I can give them that type of a legacy on something that I got to enjoy and be a part of my whole life. Great. That sounds like a wonderful end to the deal. That sounds like a great ending to that story. Totally. I don't need my kids to love it. I don't, I love it. 
right? But I want if they can get that type of a legacy financially, great. Yeah, I I agree, and and I my understanding is that he, I I believe I heard he passed away from COVID, so probably had some lead some lead time, bit of runway up to it, and was able to uh, to make plans. I would have to think so. Uh, yeah, he must be, you know, honestly, the question being, um, do you think he's happy? I, yeah, I think he's more than happy. I think he's relieved that he gets to pass on knowing that he's left some really nice financial security for his family. And who knows? Maybe it's a drop in the bucket. Maybe it's life changing for them. We don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure some people out there have a closer connection to this, uh, this family, but in any event, um, I can't wait to see what these cards sell for. I can't wait to to watch some of these cards uh, go because, I mean, they are beautiful. And they're right up your alley, Mike. I mean, we're talking vintage baseball, um, everything that's important uh, pretty much uh, that there is. So uh, are you, are you going to be keeping your eye on it? I am, actually. Uh, not a, I don't play in that high, high-end world very much, but uh... – I certainly am going to be following it because I think it's fascinating. Some beautiful cards. I mean, Babe Ruth, 33 Gowdies and a nine. Like, really? Oh, no. <laughs> like, unreal. Unreal, for sure. Schmidt Collector says, what's up, Mike? What's up? What's up, Schmitty Collector? What's up, what's up? Rich Frank, what's up, what's up? Sam Genova, my man, says, good night, gents. Better late than never. As always, always happy to have you on, on with us every Saturday night, Sam. Sports says, uh, absolutely agree. Just paid for generations of education. Exactly, exactly. D Perez, uh, here we are. D Perez, Mike, love the Golden Age podcast. Hopes it keeps, hope it keeps on going. See, that's what you want. That's D, it's that kind of comment that helps keep it going. That's it's as simple as expressing your enjoyment for someone's product that will keep it going. Eric Myers, good evening, Eric, all the way from South Korea. Fowl Five Ball, good evening to you. Eric says, I'm going to be bidding on the cards. Awesome, awesome. Tyler says that Babe Ruth is at 1.96 million with about two weeks left in the auction. All right, well, one point. There we go. Two million to the family already. Okay. We've covered a lot, actually, Mike. We, we've gotten through most of, of the topics that we had on the notes. Um, but I, you know what? We even skipped ahead. We talked about the beast. I want to. Let's talk about this for a moment. Graded cards. You mentioned that within the beast, within your PC, about 4,000 slabs. It seems like it's almost a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask it with a bit of a curve. What would be, what is your position on graded cards? Well, obviously you like them. You have lots. So I'm going to alter the question. I'm going to say, what are your thoughts on the recent proliferation of new grading companies entering the space? And are you adding any cards in non-PSA slabs into your collection? I'll answer the last question first. No. <laughs> um, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not. It's And it's not because I don't necessarily, like SGC is fine. And in terms of vintage, I actually bought my first HGA card the other day. It should be here Monday. And it's a card I actually already have. And I just wanted, I bought it literally just to see the slab. I bought it because I want to see what the slab looks like on vintage stuff. Um, but I'm a PSA guy through and through. And it's, you know, with the way my personality is, once I made my bed with them, I was stuck. 
So I felt like that's, that's who I'm going to be with. And the set registry is addicting. It's incredibly addicting. And so once I got into that, I, I love graded cards. I used to hate them. I used to think it was such a gimmick and such a scam. I thought it was so silly. Uh, am I skipping by the way at all? No. Okay, good. Uh, I used to hate, I just thought this is so stupid. Why would anybody pay money to have somebody give an opinion on the condition of their card? And then as I got into bigger and bigger cards, higher value cards, I didn't want to get duped because no matter how long you've done this, there are really good fakes out there. And to me, it was a, a level of security, so to speak, to make sure, okay, these are real cards. And it doesn't mean that they, they're, none of the grading companies are perfect. They're far from it in reality, but it's better than just me looking at a card, right? It's more than just my opinion. It's someone else's. If we both think it's real, then hey, at least if we're both naive and getting duped, then so be it. But I wanted that level of you know certainty, at least there. Also, I love the protection that it provides. I can handle the cards a lot freer. Those are all pretty silly things. And then, oh, by the way, you know what you're buying. You know, a, a guy might say on his listing, oh, it's a near mint card, and it comes in and it looks like it's been run over by a truck. And so, you know, if you're getting a PSA seven, you're most likely getting, you know, a pretty decently centered card, nice, reasonable corners, et cetera, et cetera. Where that gets different is when you get kind of lower grades, you know, fives, fours, threes, not all PSA fives are the same or fours or threes. In fact, there can be a wide range of eye appeal on any given card in those types of grades. And so then it becomes... Uh, a personal thing like some people just centering's the the end all be all that's quite honestly not that important i mean i want it i'd love a centered card um but i i want the card and so you know it it just you got to just find cards you like that have great eye appeal to you and so don't always buy the card not the grade yeah buy the card not the grade well, you really nailed it there when you said that, you know, not all fives are the same, not all fours. It really, it goes right all the way up to basically nines and even in some cases, ten, tens too. I find that the the range, many more, you know, I always say there's, there aren't just 10 different conditions of cards. There's an infinite amount of conditions that a card can be in. So you can have a beautiful one. You, I just like to say strong, average or weak. You know, you, you have, you have, and even within there, you've got, different levels so but yeah you, you know that but at the end when you said buy what speaks to you buy what you find has the strongest eye appeal that you enjoy the most and if you stick with that you're, you're pretty much always going to be happy i told the story just on uh, ben when ben carlos uh, premiered the show that he had me on with him earlier today and i watched a bit of it and i saw you know i had a jean beliveau 1953 parkhurst uh, mic that i bought in probably 2001 or so if i had a graded later psa 5 I subsequently acquired a PSA 7. And then when I decided I don't need both anymore, I kept the 5 and I sold the 7. Not fi the finances didn't have anything to do with it. I preferred the 5. So I kept it because it just spoke to me more for various reasons. Uh, plus, I had owned it longer, so it was more an emotional connection to it. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, you obviously love your vintage baseball. Can you Can you sort of summarize in a couple of sentences why it is 
And, and Teddy Cardboard puts it really well here. He says, Mike, always appreciate the focus you place on collecting in your videos, showing true, always showing true appreciation for the heritage of baseball. Thinking about that, about Teddy Cardboard's question, summarize why you love vintage baseball cards. <laughs> They're old. No, just like me. Uh, no, it's, it's a connection to a nostalgic period of, the game when it just felt, you know, the, the figures in the game back then were at least when I was growing up saying Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron, that evoked a response, an emotional, almost reverential response to these players and their accomplishments. And Mickey Mantle struck out a lot too. And so did, and I never saw Roberto Clemente play or, Jackie Robinson or any of these guys. I never saw him play a lick. And back then you couldn't watch old world series on YouTube and stuff. Uh, I just would read books and read about their accomplishments and look at statistics. I, I would read the baseball encyclopedia as a kid and memorize who did what and who was the leaders. And you always knew back then it was Hank Aaron, seven fifty five and, Babe Ruth 715 and, you know, uh, Willie Mays 660. I mean, I could name the top 10 home run leaders because it didn't change much back then. You know, it was very stagnant in terms of who were the greats of the greats. Not probably dissimilar from hockey, but baseball's numbers are so – if you say 406, you're going to go Ted Williams 1941 hit 406. If you say 56, you're going to say Joe DiMaggio hitting streak, you know. There are numbers that are just mythical in this game. And so to start, I never thought I would have cards like I have. Honestly, as a kid, no way. I'll never own any of this stuff. It'll all just be pipe dreams and, you know, wishes. And here I am today being able to get some of them, not all of them, you know, but you could never have all of it. But it's great trying to find it and trying to add things that I only could read in books before. We used to have baseball card books with pictures of cards and stuff as kids. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do I do. do you remember and the who's who? I mean, I, I was yeah. buying the who's who every every year back in the 80s and the 90s. And I'd get Beckett Baseball Card Monthly and Baseball Digest. And, you know, I was always a student of the history of the game. And the cards brings that to life for me. Yeah. yeah. I love the game first and the history of the game, the cards are certainly a love and a passion too, but it, they, they dovetail very nicely together. How much does it uh, appeal to you when the game or a player from the game, um, surpa- you know, goes, goes beyond the game itself in becoming a cultural, like a Joe DiMaggio, Marilyn Monroe, that kind of thing, Roberto Clemente, um, uh, Jackie Robinson, uh, obviously. How much does it do those sorts of um, subjects appeal to? How much does that add to the appeal to you when they again, when when they just surpass it all, the, the sport itself? Well, let's take Jackie Robinson. You cannot separate Jackie Robinson, the baseball player, to Jackie Robinson, the pioneer and um civil rights activists that he was those 
those aren't mutually exclusive. And so you have to look at it as a whole package. He was all of those things. It only adds to it, in my opinion. If you think about Clemente, I mean, or Thurman Munson, you know, both die in plane crashes doing philanthropical efforts, you know, uh, Clemente dying to bring relief to, you know, earthquake victims. It's not even in his home country. You know, he's, it, that only adds to that. It, 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 that adds more to it than, say, the negative of Mickey Mantle being a skirt chaser and a whatever, you know, during his playing days like that. Yeah. Th- that matters less to me than the good things that you hear about what players did. Um, so hopefully through my channel, I get to teach people stuff like this and Hey, go learn about this guy, go read about this. You know, as, ja- as important as Jackie Robinson was branch Ricky was equally important, you know, and you can't take away what you can't give all the credit to Jackie Robinson. Although he had to live it. Don't get me wrong, but Branch Rickey was taking a huge risk too. His neck was on the line as well. And if he didn't have the courage to say, we're going to be the first ones, then who knows how long that would have taken after that. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it all matters. And it's, it's just, it just only adds and enhances the stories for me. There you go. Yeah. Same here. Adds and enhances. Carlisle Rude says, I'm thankful that my collection isn't very valuable. My family might kill me off, kill me to sell it off. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Vintage Oddball says, Mike has an incredible autograph collection. What are a few of his favorites? Can he show a few? Oh, man. Can I ever? Uh, Thanks, Rick. Uh, I actually love autos more than I love the cards, believe it or not. My autographs are more important to me than than the cards. to me, that's a connection to a player that's very unique. And, you know, they interacted with that item some way, somehow. More on the vintage stuff, because now, to me, a sticker is not nearly as appealing as, you know, just an actual on-card autograph. Um, golly, I can just grab a drawer. To the beast he goes. Oh. These are what the drawers look like. Uh, these are for tall boy slabs typically, but I don't have enough tall boy slabs. So I uh, will just show, I'll, I'll find one that I know you will like. They're all in uh, alphabetical order. So you could just name a player and I'll, uh, if I have it, I'll show it. But they're very easy to find. And that's the key when you have a collection that's get, that gets kind of out of hand that uh yeah you better have a, a well organized system or retrieval else retrieval system yes here you go <laughs> wayne gretzky yeah i actually saw when you uh i saw when you your, your pickup video on that one very yeah. nice card yeah very nice card i love that ultra i uh, like i like to see that you had a that you're adding a hockey card I, I smiled when i saw you uh show that one yeah he's a goat he's a goat yeah um, throw one or two more, and then we're gonna go through some more comments, and uh, and we're gonna wrap up pretty soon here because um, we've been we've been going a while, man. It's been a lot of fun, uh, really informative, and uh, like enjoying the topics. I love getting vintage cards that are signed. Um, here's a '53 Bowman color, Bob Feller. 
the cards of four, the autos a nine, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I have modern guys, you know, um, it's a recent pickup, a Chipper Jones rookie card autograph. Cool. So I, yes, I have a Ty Cobb. Yes. I have plenty of Cleveland Indians guys. I mean, my autograph collection is actually uh, to me more impressive. I have a Babe Ruth. That's a PSA DNA gem mint 10, uh, Walter Johnson and Cy Young. And, you know, I have, Joe Jackson? I have who Joe Jackson. No, nope. Nobody has a Joe Jackson. No, nope. if they do, uh, Joe Jackson and he's not in the hall of fame. So that's not a big thing for me. Like I have new cards. Like there's a, 2017 transcendent Kofax. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you know, so yes, I have a bunch of autographs, but yeah. go watch the channel. You'll see them all. Yeah. Check out baseball collector on YouTube guys. You'll see a thousand videos in the library already. So, okay, let's run through some more comments here. We've got some good stuff. Smallville says, good evening, Mike. The first channel I saw on YouTube was baseball collector, which I think might have something to do with the name of the channel. Absolutely amazing content. Thank you, Mike. Eric says, grading is great for buying on eBay, but I don't think it is needed from an LCS or a show. Fair approach. Decoy Cards loves the cabinet. Welcome to the channel, Decoy Cards. Carlos says, what proportion of Mike's cards were submitted to PSA by him and how many were graded beforehand? Gut feel on that, Mike. Very few. A uh, hundred, maybe 200 100. at the most. Most submitted. of them I buy secondary market. Michael Ham says, all 10s should be the same. The rest... I understand 60-40 centering should never be a 10. I mean, there's the one thing about that, Michael Ham, is that there, you know, PSA standards on a 10 allow for some for some off-centeredness. It, they just do. So there will be tens that do not that are not the same. Bobby Burrell, welcome, says the new grading companies have no chance considering the top three companies have the market share, regardless of quality of their grading. But I disagree. Not sure about that, Bobby. For example, HGA is new and they're having to use a lottery system to manage the demand with their supply. Okay. Uh, Michael Ham, CSG is tough grading company when it comes to cards. And I like that. Yeah, that's important for sure. Eric says vintage cards are historical documents before TV and the internet. You had the back of cards to read. They would talk about the players and tell unique things about them. Yeah, like what their summer jobs were or their, or their part-time jobs because back then athletes needed real jobs, believe it or not. Cards are are the written history of the game. See, that's that's what I like about cards. Not just that they're the written history, but they they are a historical representation of the game and the the evolution and and all that. I, I, I love it. Michael Ham, should vintage cards have a different grading scale in your opinion? That's a, yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. Well, Beckett tried that. You know, they did BVG Beckett vintage grading. Not working out so well for him, I don't think. Uh, no, I think people want to know that a ten is a ten, kind of across the board, right? Yeah. That's what I. That's my position too. I, I think that for me, the answer is no. I don't think so, but I think certain cards, um, and this is going to be some It is somewhat controversial, but I think there are there needs for me anyway. You know, I'm a hockey guy, kind of first and foremost. Although I collect everything, uh, the Wayne Gretzky Peachy rookie often has those rough borders from the cut to me i don't i am okay with them not being penalized on those edges but I know that not, not everybody feels that way uh kevin jones says mike brought me back into collecting in 2019 with his hall of fame set that's pretty awesome 
Cool to hear that, Kevin. Thanks, Bobby Burrell. PSA is Heinz ketchup. Some use Elmer's, some use Del Monte. The selling mentality is there are no other kinds once you've tasted Heinz. <laughs> Eric Myers likes to hear that you're uh, showing off some autos. I know Eric has Eric has a couple of very nice uh, Babe Ruth autographed baseballs. <laughs> Card Cutter says, I'm here for you, Mike. If, 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 if happens, I think is what he's getting at there. Sticker autos suck. I think, every, I think everyone prefers on card. No doubt about it. Well, who doesn't love autos? Bobby says, when it comes to selling, Michael, you won't like the the toughness of CSG. Oh, he's talking to Michael Ham. And uh, Tyler says, love the episode of The Pull you did with your Babe Ruth autograph. Very cool. Shoeless Joe Jackson was robbed. Should have been in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I agree. Yeah, there you go. Carlos, are there there any vintage game tickets in your collections? Not mine. How about you, Mike? Just one, and I just bought it at the last Dallas show. I bought a Nolan Ryan 300 win ticket that he signed, and I'm afraid that if I I bought it and I, the guy had several more for pretty reasonable prices, and I was like, I cannot go down this rabbit hole because it'll just start me on a, another project, and that's the last thing I need is another project. <laughs> I got so many I'm working on. It's ridiculous. So Yeah. No. All right. And uh, Eric respectfully disagrees about the OPG PSA Gretzky. And that is 100% wrong. Just kidding. 100% fair, Eric. 100% fair. Okay. What's this here? I see. Uh, Michael Ham, Hobby, are you making a card bet with Jeremy on the cup? On the cup, Tampa versus the Canadians. <laughs> I, I don't think I can. I can. Put up anything on the on the Montreal Canadiens beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. So uh, I will decline the that bet if it is being offered. Okay, Mike. We've covered everything we were going to, except for the National. We're not going to get into any real details, except to say I look forward to to seeing you there, to being able to shake hands, meet you in person, along with everybody else who is in the chat, who is going to be there. I am going to be, I'm going in like you, Mike. I have no card specifically. I'm going to buy open mind. Something catches my eye. I'm going to, I'm going to make a play. Aside from making plays, making plays, making plays. And I mean, I know, I know you, we already talked about you there. You the same way. You're looking forward to seeing a bunch of people. That's I'm so excited about just seeing a bunch of people and it's kind of our little hobby family reunion every year. And I'll get to know more people and more people, uh, you know, vintage card, uh, vintage oddball cards. Rick mentioned earlier, he met me at the show. Like I got him started on YouTube, but that's cause he came up to me at a show and said, Mike, I love your channel. I said, thank you so much. And why don't you do content? Cause he was showing talking about some of his cards. I'm like, man, I would love to see that stuff. Like you should do a channel. And he did, that was two years ago. And he, he loves it. He's a, uh, enjoys being a part of the community and it really can be a community if you if you want it to be yeah oh 100 percent. and there's a lot of we talked about it offline the other day you know there's a whole bunch of different um circles if you will circles of of, of c- communities friendships and you know you think about a venn diagram you know there, there's no reason why all the different groups of friends can't overlap and commingle there's, there's really, there shouldn't, unless people just don't get along, which is going to happen really in, in any grouping in, 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 in society. But for the most part, we all have cardboard in common. We, we all, most of us collect, we love, we love these cards. So 
just like you, I'm looking forward to to the to the national. And um, with that, we are gonna we're gonna wrap this up, Mike. Any any final comments from you to the chat, guys? Final comments, throw them out there right now. I'll roll through as many as we can before we do end this live stream. Before you go, Mike, before I, I give you final word, I just want to mention to everybody, I will be back on this channel in about 15 minutes for After Hours, where my guest will be Ben Carlos. We're just going to have a nice, chill discussion. We're going to debrief a bit about this episode and talk about some other things as well. So please join us there. I do want to thank Mike for bringing your friends to the to my channel, Sports Cards Live tonight, Mike. I do appreciate that. And I invite you all to please subscribe to the channel. I bring I do interviews every Saturday night with uh, hot with industry insiders, passionate collectors, and content creators. So please check it out. Love to have you as part of the uh, the community of Sports Cards Live, and look forward to meeting a whole bunch of you um, at the national. Or I will make it, Mike. I will make it to a Dallas card show within the next say nine to twelve months. I'm I'm, I'm committed to that. So over to come you. On now. Come on down and come on over when you come I- down. I'll take you up on that. Just, just like when uh just like when Michael Scott booked his booked his ticket to Florida to go to go uh oh what was the boss's name? I can't think of it from the office. He, he, she says, Yeah, come on down. Come come on down, check it out. So he books a flight. She's like, No, no, don't come. Right. I will. Thank you. Um, yeah. Final word from you, then we'll roll through the comments and we'll we'll end the, the broadcast. No, I appreciate you having me on. I love doing live streams. It's always fun. I love interacting with people on comments. And, you know, if we miss something, we're sorry. It's it's hectic sometimes. But thanks, for everybody, for watching. And come check out. If you like vintage stuff, you like just hearing about the hobby, whatnot, come on over. Love, just, love to have you. Yeah, guys, I'm going to throw up Mike's uh, Mike's channels again right there. You have them. Give those a subscribe if you have not yet. Remember Hobby Palooza. Uh, organized by Bench Clear and Mike and Ty. That's going to be on July 10th and 11th. And now we're going to run through the comments and that's going to be it. And I'll see you all on, on After Hours in about 13 minutes. Ben, I know you're watching. I'll see you in the studio in a few minutes. Victor, loving that t-shirt. Yeah, I wore this for Mike. Rated rookie baseball for baseball cards. I wore, wore it for him tonight. Thank you very much, Big Unit. Great to have you. Thank you, Jeff Larson, Gareth Miller. The big unit reminds everybody, hit that like button. I always appreciate that so much. Brody the Kid, awesome to have you, young man, who will be a, the, the kid ambassador at the National. Tyler says, thanks, guys. Great show. Glad my girlfriend let me delay movie night. Thank her for us as well. All right. Everybody, thank you again. We'll see you on After Hours. And if not, we will see you back here next Saturday. Thank you, Otto Olson. Criminal Minds says, Jeremy's always a great show. The original Codfather. Wow. Thank you so much, so much. And uh, Sanderson, prepare yourself. If you go to Texas, there are no hockey cards there. I tried last month. Too funny. Michael Ham's been subscribed to Mike for years. Always appreciate his videos and knowledge. All right. That is it, everybody. Mike, hang tight one second. Everybody else, see you soon.